Yo, what's good people? It's your boy TSK and welcome to the Hashtag Rooted and Established podcast where we are having conversations with people who are pursuing their goals, leaving behind memorable legacies. I hope that after listening you're inspired, encouraged and motivated to keep making the most out of what you have. Let's get it! Cause if you look inside your heart, you'll find that you're made of love and you see that's why you're so special. Welcome to the Hashtag Rooted and Established podcast. Um, we're here with another special, special guest. She goes by the name of Kim Emanike. Kim, how are you? I am so good, Tendo. I just want to start off with thank you for inviting me to come onto your show and your platform. I'm so, oh, no, I feel so good. blessed to be here, man, and just to share my story. So thank you for the opportunity. No, that's amazing. So for those, for those listening that may not know um, who you are, do you want to just introduce yourself quickly? Do you know what's interesting? When people always say this, I never really know what to say. So I'm just going to say like the obvious things. So like, mm-hmm. as mentioned, my name is Kim Emanike. I'm 22 years old. I've just finished mm-hmm. a degree at Loughborough University studying international business. I came out of a 2-1 because my God is great. Um, oh, I'm a care leaver. I'm in the process of writing my first book. And right now mm. life is really good. So that's a little bit about me. And yeah. Yeah, life does sound very good for you <laughs> at the moment. I can't even lie from what you just said there. <laughs> um, but what's most interesting, I guess, about everything that you just shared there is that you mentioned your care leaver. That's correct. And um, if I'm just to read out a couple of statistics about um, care leavers from what I found online, uh, I found one that said the percentage of children in care gaining entry into university is 7%. And this figure hasn't improved since 2006 compared to the university entry in 2016 of around 40% of their peer group. Mm. Um, another statistic I found was that 14% of children in care in 2016 achieved five or more GCSEs at grades A star to C compared to 58% of children not in care. So obviously these statistics are quite... Um, there's like a, like a stark contrast between the statistic of like academic achievement for Mm. um, care leavers and children that aren't in care. So like with statistics like this, where do you think your motivation to pursue academic achievement came from? So I think for me, it's the environment that I grew up in. Growing up in foster Mm -hmm. care, um, all my foster cousins, they were quite bright. They were academic. They were, Mm -hmm. they did well. My cousin, one of my Mm. my cousins called Kim, she got five A-levels. She got all A's. So I guess Whoa. I was in that. Yeah. So I'm from like a smart foster family, if you want me to be honest. So I guess. Okay. Yeah. That is where I've always wanted to pursue excellence and do my best. Um, I mm. guess also for me, the environment in which I grew up at the same time um, wasn't always the best environment for me. And obviously through mm. my story at one point, um, which we can discuss later, I moved into a hostel mm. when I became a care leaver. And I guess once mm. I became a care leaver and I was living in a hostel, I realised that this is not my life. Like, I feel like I've struggled enough and I don't want to struggle anymore. So I guess for me, mm. that always pushed me to do well academically so I can get to a good uni, get a good degree, mm. then obviously, in hindsight, get a good job. I guess that's always mm. been my mindset. In order for me to get out of this mess, I need to kind of get into the system to change it and reform it. So mm. my mo- my motivation really stems based on the circumstances that I was presented with. So, mm. and I guess looking at those statistics, although I've only been recently told about it, um, I have mm. a lot of friends, well, not a lot, I, I know quite a few people who are in care and a lot yeah. of them didn't go to university. So I, from a young mm. age, I always thought I want to be different. I want to beat the system. I don't want to be known as that typical care leaver that just gets mm. pregnant or ends up in prison or not doing much with their life. 
I've always I've yeah. always been determined to do well. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. And do you think it was solely because of um like your foster family environment that kind of nurtured that willingness to not accept like where you are or where you were at that point in time wasn't like your final destination sort of thing i wouldn't even really say it was so much my foster family because Mm. i think it was more post being in foster care i think that was definitely the environment where i was like oh my gosh because being in a hostel you're with other care leavers as well and i've seen what their lives are like i've seen how a lot of them just haven't made anything of it so they don't really have much to lose so I guess when you're mm. in that environment, that's when you're like, oh my gosh, I need to work my back off to make sure I get somewhere. Because if you look at my GCSE yeah. grades, my GCSE grades were not too great. Because obviously when I was mm. in school and being in the system, academically, were more likely to struggle. So I, th- mm. I had behavioural issues because at the time, things were just not going well in my placement. Mm. So mm. Um, yeah, my GCSE grades were not great. But it was like I said, it's when mm. I got to um, A-levels and I was living in a hostel and I was like, oh my gosh, I can see a road that I could potentially go down, which doesn't look great mm. and which is not for me. Mm. So I'd definitely say it was mm. more a self-motivation of I can see where others are and I don't want to mm. be where they are. Mm. Yeah, it definitely requires like a certain level of foresight. Mm, definitely. Um, but like from your experience, like what do you think stops other care, levi- other care leavers sorry, from... I guess like wanting to have that foresight um, to see like there's a potential path that um, their life could head down and stopping themselves from going down a certain route. Obviously you chose um, to pursue higher education um, as kind of like your way out. What do you think stops other care leavers from like pursuing the same thing? So what I personally think stops other care leavers from pursuing higher education is one thing about this foster system is it's not guaranteed that you'll be with one foster placement for the whole time whilst you're in mm. care. I'm an mm. exception. I'm very blessed that I was with one foster family for 10 years. But the average wow. person, the average person, yes, they move around to like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 different placements. Wow. And it's just they yeah. have a lack of stability because once you move around, mm. it's not even guaranteed you move around in London. There have been some people mm. who've moved around and they've been taken from London to outside of London which requires Mm. you to change schools and you have to Mm. readapt and then make new friends. And it's very unsettling. Mm. And obviously we Mm. don't know the backgrounds of some of these people who are in care. A lot of these Mm. people are from very disadvantaged backgrounds or their parents weren't able to look after them. So a lot of them are from Mm. broken families, which means they don't have a good support system. They, Mm. which makes them socially, physically, mentally behind like the average Mm. young person. So when it does come Mm. to stuff like higher learning, if you're not motivated to do it, you won't you mm. won't really get there so and mm. i feel like some of these young people just i don't know they're just not interested in academics they don't see the point of it they, they're struggling or mm. like if you look at the level of literacy of these people a lot mm. of their reading ages is probably below 16 so they may not mm. even have the ability to get to higher learning even if they wanted mm. to but i just think genuinely mm. it's the lack of support and i feel like when you're mm. placed into foster care they don't really push you to achieve higher it's very much mm. left down to you. If you want to do well in school, go for it. If you don't, it's down to you. Like, I feel like mm. the, um, our local government should be doing more f- to inspire these young people to find their passions and to pursue it. Um, mm. I think a lot of people do feel the pressure of um, going to uni equates being successful. One thing I would mm. like to add is it's not necessarily always the case. I feel mm. like 
higher learning is not for everyone and even for people who are not from care backgrounds there are a lot of people mm. who go to uni and drop out in their first year because uni is not for everyone so, but mm, there seems yeah. to always be a pressure for everyone to go to uni to be successful and personally I don't believe that is the case I feel like one can be successful as long as they are motivated to achieve what their heart desires them to achieve so mm. it all depends on the circumstances yeah no that that is really true um but I, I'll be honest with you like when it comes to the care system in general, like I am very ignorant into like how it all works um, to, the, to the extent that like the only, so I've never met, the first time I met someone that was a care leaver was when I went to university. So I didn't know anyone um, like growing up in school who was in the care system. Yeah. And the only real sort of exposure that I had to it, and this sounds awful, but it was like Tracy Beaker. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> and so like when you mentioned and this is literally just purely for my own education as well and maybe people who are listening who don't know um obviously like you can be you can be placed with different families um within um a year like you don't always just stay with one family that's correct um what why why is it the case that um yeah like young people will be moved from family to family um Obviously, I can't really talk from experience because, like I said, I was very blessed to stay with one placement for the my entire duration of being in care. But I, yeah. from what I've seen of maybe others is sometimes when you're moved into a family, on paper, mm. that family sounds great. But when mm. it comes to the realities and you are living with them 24-7 and there's not social services there, because that's the thing, mm. once you have a social worker, your social worker is not with you every single day. That, that's not mm. how it works. They essentially mm. have a list. They come every six months, tick the list and they go mm. but mm. um obviously these young people are exposed to so much and there are some amazing foster carers don't get me wrong but there are mm. some foster carers who in my opinion should not be allowed anywhere near young people so there's yeah. sometimes the young person and the parent just don't get along or mm. they, yeah there, i think there's just many different reasons there's, it depends it all depends on the young person i guess mm. um yeah some people fit in really well some people just don't want to be there some of mm. these young people like i said are from very broken homes which means if they are if they do find a family that does love them and does do everything for them they still struggle mm. to thrive in that placement so yeah. it's definitely case by case i could never really say there's a specific yeah, reason as to why people move but it's just yeah. something that tends to happen with care leaders that mm. they, on average they move around to like so many different placements and i think mm. that is fundamentally one of the biggest issues and biggest contributors as why these care leaders fall through the system because so many mm. of them suffer from post-traumatic stress of maybe what has happened when they're with their birth parents or what had happened in the placement. And like I mm. said, they're not given the right level of support which is needed. So, mm. yeah, there could be... Yeah, no, that, that makes sense, to be fair. And so, obviously, you were with... You said you were with your place with one family for 10 years. So, would you say that gave you a maybe more positive experience of the care system? <sighs> I would love to say that but in reality that was not necessarily it um, mm. like I said the first five years that I was in care I think I could I feel like I could relate my experience to Tracy Beaker's like fun house <laughs> like it was fun it was exciting yeah. it was like oh my yeah. gosh I'm living with strangers they're now going to be my family you don't really mm. know what you're going to expect obviously I went in yeah. so young I was seven years old so I guess I was I'll tell you I was a bit ignorant very much open to anything and everything and when mm-hmm. I was so young it was great. I absolutely mm. loved every f- minute of it, the first five mm. years. Then, yeah. as you can imagine, I got to 13 
and mm-hmm. you see when you f- you don't feel like you fully fit in somewhere and you always feel like you're the odd one out and then mm-hmm. there was a relationship breakdown between myself and my foster carer and mm-hmm. I, things just went left if, if, if that's the way to express it yeah yeah really hard and i thought like i felt as if i didn't have a safe space to talk about some of the things that had happened on my place in my placement which meant that it's just a burden that i bared by myself because being in care i was always ashamed of being in care my own friends didn't know i was in care at all until i became a care leaver at 17 because that's when i life started to really be Mm. difficult and that's when i realized i needed help which meant that Mm. when i was struggling with my placement I didn't really have much help or support from anyone else because no one was aware of my circumstances. So mm. I wouldn't really say just because you stay in one placement, it was the most positive experience. I'd definitely mm. say my case was an interesting experience. It was a mixture of highs and lows, but the, mm. it was an interesting experience. Yeah. And what stopped you from telling your friends that you were in care, like when you were younger? So I feel like there seems to be a negative connotation with when you think about people that are in care. People always equate mm. them to cr- criminals or just mm. nothing or just they, mm. they're not seen very valuable or highly. And I guess yeah. for me, I've always had the mindset of, from a young age that I just didn't want to be associated with being in care because, like I said, people have misconceptions about it and they always see you as unruly and that the yeah. reason why you're there is for a bad reason. Some people don't mm. necessarily understand that people's family structures are not mm. nuclear and the typical mum and dad so for mm. my case like my dad was never around and then my mum died so we had no choice mm. but to go into care because my mum never had a will but I feel mm. like people always assume young people that go into care as oh they're just bad they don't like their parents they're thieves mm. and they just have a real negative connotation of them and that's not it in reality so for me mm. I didn't want to be defied as that and I didn't want people to pity me because I feel like yes. there's two ends yeah. on the spectrum those that look at you as like you're worthless and you're nothing and then those that mm. pity you and I don't like the idea of someone feeling sorry for me because like I said everyone has a sob story everyone has the trials and tribulations so for mm. me I didn't want that to be something that let's say if I was to get something I don't want it to be given to me because I was a young person in care I wanted to work yeah. for it and just to be yeah. treated like everyone else mm. yeah no I hear that man um so you mentioned how when you were 17 you were living in a hostel yes um and were you doing your a-levels at around that time as well that's correct i I believe i was in my second year of a-levels okay so it wasn't in your first year that you were staying in the hostel so no no, it wasn't my first year of uni i think it was the summer of my first year and then okay yeah so yeah that's how it worked yeah and so how how did you manage um doing that alongside studying for your a-levels and trying to get into uni wow if i tell you something now Living in a hostel, like, even if, let me just start with, do you know what a hostel is? Because I'm not going to lie, I did not know what a hostel was until I actually got to the doors of it. And they were like, yeah, this is your new home. Like, do you know what a hostel is? I didn't, I'm just thinking it just takes a different level of mental resilience to be able to cope with, like, that at 17, as well as the, the academic pressures that you must have been facing as well. No, definitely, definitely. But I guess for me, um, living inside of a hostel, like I said, I didn't know what it was at first. So Mm. getting there and seeing that I was living with vulnerable people. So we were living with, like I said, other care leavers, people who had extremely bad mental health issues. What what is a hostel? What is a hostel for those that don't know? Okay, so a hostel is essentially, um, it's for people between the age of 16 to 25 who Mm -hmm. are deemed as homeless. So it's like a halfway house to Mm. get your official flat. 
So once you're like a care leaver or let's say you're a vulnerable young person that's homeless, you're entitled yeah. to a council flat. But before you get your council flat, you need to live in a semi-independent accommodation, which is known as a hostel. Okay. So it has 24-hour security, which is downstairs. And then mm-hmm. everyone has their own flat and you essentially all live together in one house, but you've got your own like kitchen, bathroom and bedroom. Mm. But mm. you share like a building. So that's essentially yeah. a hostel and the kinds of people that go in there are vulnerable people. So you've got your care leavers because it's part of a system. Young yeah. people that have just come out of prison, people mm. who, yeah, just some severely disabled, like all different types of like vulnerable young people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that is the reality of it. So I mm. was do- dealing with that whilst being doing my A-levels. But like I said, because it's a semi-independent house, you, it's training you to be an adult. So you pay your gas mm. and electricity by yourself. You, if you want Wi-Fi, you have to like go and pay for Wi-Fi. You obviously, you pay for your phone bill. Like, so mm. you're essentially living by yourself. Like, it's like a flat, self-contained. So, um, bearing that in mind and doing A levels, it meant that I was obviously on benefits because I couldn't work because I was in school twenty-four-seven. So mm. being on benefits, I don't know if you know what benefits is like, but or how much it is. It's literally fifty pounds every two mm. weeks which is essentially mm. 25 pounds a week and let's be real tendo like who can live on 25 pounds a week and yeah. being from london we're very blessed at that point we had free travel so you didn't have to go to yeah. travel but it's more stuff like yeah. maintenance and food and oh yeah, i don't know else, what else you really pay for but obviously i paid for gas and electricity so i guess mm. i always had i was always under pressure because i was basically an adult but still mm. a student at the same time so i still had school yeah. to commit to five days a mm. week but I still was paying bills, I'd paying my phone bill, I'm paying gas, paying electricity. And mm. mentally, that is exhausting. Like, I, I don't know if you did your A-levels, but A-levels is tough. Like, mm. I would honestly say A-levels was already hard as it is. But to be balancing mm. external pressures and worrying about bills and worrying about um, if it's someone's birthday, can I afford to go out to eat? And mm. it's, it's mm. not great. It's not a nice feeling. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if I'm going to be entirely honest, mentally, it was tough because you're exposed to living on your own by yourself. That means you're cooking yeah. by yourself, you're cleaning, yeah. you're, you're living uni life, but early, mm. you're exposed to it at, at 17. And mm. knowing what I know now and what I can do now is very different to 17-year-old Kim. Because when, in yeah. my opinion, when I look at someone that's 17, you're still a baby, you're still a child to me. So mm. to be just kind of left out in the open to fend for yourself is definitely difficult. Mm. And so like, what would you, what was like a typical day for you, like whilst you were, living in the hostel and studying for your A-levels? So let's say it's uh, Monday morning. I -hmm. would prepare my plat lunch. Um, I would be at school at 7am in the morning because I never had Wi-Fi um, to study. And you know with A-levels, I'm so sorry, you cannot eat, sleep, breathe. You can't do anything. (laughs) You need to be studying 24-7 for A-levels. Definitely. So yes, I had to get to school at 7am. I would have already made my lunch. Um, I'd stay at school till 3pm. Then literally, I wouldn't mm. even go home. I'd go straight to my local library till about 10pm. And I'd literally just wow. be doing work, kind of trying to catch up. Because I always felt like everyone was ahead of me. So mm. that would be a typical day. And that was literally my life, maybe seven days a week. Because even Saturday and Sunday, I'd be in the library. I'd go to church, be in the library. Like My life was literally the library. Because at that mm. point, I'd seen what struggle was like. And I was just like, I hated being in my hostel. Because like I said, mm. you've got young people that have just come out of prison. So imagine yeah. living next to someone who's come out of prison for attempted murder. Honestly. It is horrendous. Like having like 
housemates like that, you're always on edge. You're always scared. You're always watching your back. So for mm. me, I spent as much time as I could in the library because I didn't want to be mm. in my hostel. And I just mm. felt like, as a care leaver, I should never have been put in that environment trying to, like, work. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was definitely an interesting experience. Definitely different. Would I like to relive it? Absolutely not. Would I want <laughs> other young people to not. go there? No way. Yeah. But So that would be a typical day, really. My life was literally just the library. <laughs> mm, yeah. And did you did you have a safe space at all? So, one, I'd say yes and no. When mm. I was in the hostel, um, you're assigned a key worker. And that mm. key worker is someone who kind of goes through your pathway plan of what you decide to kind of do with your life. Mm. And my key worker was absolutely amazing. Like, me and her, up to this date, we still get along. So she mm. was someone who I could talk to um, a bit about some of the issues that I'd faced whilst I was in care. Mm. Um, they also had, like a mediator so like a family mediator because a lot of people who go through care and end up as a care leaver um they a lot of a lot of them have relationship breakdowns with their biological family so there mm-hmm. was a media the mediator there who was there to kind of reconcile between the person living in a hostel and their biological family so mm-hmm. i guess those are two people who you could could count as a safe space to talk to and mm-hmm. that's when i started to explore some of the issues and some of the things that i'd faced in my placement mm. but I felt as if that that sort of level of support should have happened earlier on I think mm. waiting till 17 18 to be tackling some of the issues is it's a bit late. Too late yeah yeah because like I said you've been through it those sort of yeah. issues should be discussed while you're in it so we can put provisions yes. in place to stop mm. it so mm. I think that was definitely a downfall but it was I guess the first step to understanding like wow I'm going through xyz and there are people who really do want to help you Mm. So, and was the support that they provided helpful despite it being i guess late um was it, i'll definitely say it was helpful i think the i'm building that relationship and professional bond with my um key worker was helpful because it really helped me to start planning my life and just mm. i thought like in order for you to move on you kind of need to tackle certain issues because once you're holding that burden like it's just heavy on your on your heart and I guess, mm. especially with A-levels, it was just so much. It's overwhelming. That period of my life was so overwhelming. So having a key worker mm. to talk to was great. Um, obviously, mm. I used the family mediator as well. Um, mm. And he was great. Like, obviously, I was able to sort out my relationship with my sister at that point. So at that time, I would definitely say it was helpful because although I'd moved out, I felt like I did have some form of family and it was some form of support. So it was definitely mm. useful. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just quite intrigued by all of this because... Um... I don't know if you know, but like I'm currently studying social work. Oh wow! At no, I didn't. Know. London. Yeah, so like I guess with this sort of stuff, um, I know it's stuff that I will be like working with in the future. Um, so I guess this is more of like a personal question for me. Like, how? Um, what do I want to ask? How important is having a good social worker? Very um, as, important. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Continue. No, that's that's the question. Basically, <laughs> like, go on. Yeah. Honestly, it is one of the most important things because your social worker is someone who you are assigned to and who is essentially with you for majority of your journey. Um, mm. I feel like if you have a good social worker, they are someone who is meant to be there to represent how you're feeling. They're meant to be there mm. to ensure that the placement is safe. And they're also, mm. in my opinion, are the person who's meant to push you to exceed your boundaries and to just reach high. Because I think that the mm. issue that with people who are in care and care leavers is 
there's no role models there's no one there to inspire them and i feel like mm. the role of a social worker especially particularly with the younger ones they should mm. encourage them to you know follow your passion follow your dreams aim high like really motivate you to kind of get through the situation because i feel mm. like so many people will fall for the system and just end up in prison or end up having mm. like loads of kids or just they're not inspired and i feel like that is the role of the social worker because you're meant to be that person's like representative advocate so, yeah you're an exactly you're an advocate for these mm. young people and i feel like especially if they move from placement to placement to placement they tend to have the same social worker so that's that's the mm. one form of stability that they will have in their life yeah so i feel yeah. like a social yeah. worker plays a big role on someone who is a young person because right now mm. my i have a pa so once you come out of um, foster care you're assigned a personal advisor my pa and i have like the best relationship ever and mm. it makes things easier so obviously i can communicate to him when i'm frustrated about something that's happening in the system or it, mm. You just feel like it's someone who's rooting for you. So, mm. honestly, Tendo, they need people like you. They need people who are passionate, people who want to evoke change, people who believe mm. in these young people. Because so many mm. people are in placements where the foster carers are saying dreadful things to them. My foster mm. carer, when I was around 13, 14 and upwards, was saying some of the craziest stuff to me. And I really needed mm. someone to be in my corner to tell me, listen, Kim, the sky mm. is the limit. If you want to do something, you put your head down and you do it. You need someone mm -hmm. to really push you when you're in care or when you're a care leaver because some of the decisions you you make, like these are big decisions you're making. They're not small decisions. Mm. So I mm. I think social workers are so important because they help mm. drive that change. They help. They they're there with you every step along the way. And mm. if you're a positive person, you're gonna see the young person react in a positive way. Some social mm. workers will treat you like a tick box. They literally get mm. to their job, tick some sheets, and they go home and they're done. And they mm. just, they just don't really care. And that reflects. Mm. And if that young person can see that you don't care about them, of course they're going to mm. start acting out. Of course they're going to have that attitude that they don't care about anything mm. because they've got no one yeah. that believes in them, no one that inspires them. So I just think mm. it's so important to have some more social workers who are genuinely passionate and genuinely like support these young people because it makes a difference. Yeah. It honestly does. Yeah, no, with everything that like you've shared so far, like I feel like for me, like the main thing that's ringing in my head is there's, and especially with like, the whole lockdown as well like there's so many things in society that are like stigmatized yeah um, where like yeah people just so if it's a care lever or if it's a someone who works in a supermarket or like even because before i even started studying social work like i didn't really know too much about the profession itself mm. um but prior to like learning i also thought it was a thing where yeah i just had my own like stigmas like um associated with it i just thought you're just dealing with people that just cause trouble and stuff like mm, that but mm. the truth is that like everyone we're all human and like we all have our own goals and desires that we're trying to pursue and different people have been handed different cards in life and mm. we should all be trying our best to like help each other and like lift each other up definitely definitely yeah what, one thing i'll say is for me i guess especially with my story my aim mm. is to try and is trying to break these stigmas and show that yeah. that is not everyone in care. And like I said, this mm. is society's most vulnerable people. We shouldn't even be having mm. that. And I feel like we should raise more awareness of what it means to be a care leaver and what it's like to be in care. Because I guess, mm. especially with my post going out, so many different people have messaged me and been like, wow, tell me more about your experience. Like, I haven't met a care leaver. And I think mm. some people have these uh, misconceptions because, like you said, not many people know people who are in care. 
Like, if yeah. you think back to your secondary in school or sixth form or uni, how many people mm. do you meet that are actually in care? And that's how mm. all these, like, stereotypes start because people don't necessarily know what they're like. They just think, mm. oh, Tracy Beaker, that's, this is what mm. happens. And in reality, that's probably not a depiction of reality. It's just, like, mm. that's, it's fictional. It's not real. So um, mm. I think definitely there needs to be more awareness and more young people who are in care speaking out about their experiences and look, this is the realities of my life. And yeah, yeah. so. No, man, that's really good. So like, tell us about um, your book that you're writing at the moment. Well, what's that so, centered around? So yes, I, Kim Monique is writing a book as we speak. Um, mm -hmm. my book is to address some of the issues that have been discussed it's more mm. sharing my experience as a care leaver sharing not just my experience because I realised one thing I'm very different to the average person or maybe the average person that's in care and mm. just because I've had well, a definitely look at the statistics 2-1 from Loughborough University <laughs> <laughs> See, exactly so that's just one story and that's yeah that might be a success story and that may but I could be an anomaly we need to look mm, at other mm. people's experiences, some people's that are positive, yeah. some people's that are negative, and we really mm. need to get a better understanding of the care system. So mm -hmm. that is one of the two main things about my book. It's about sharing my experiences as well as other people's experiences. But on the whole, yeah. it's about inspiring young people who are currently in care and who are about mm. to become care leavers as well. Because one mm. thing I realised about my story is it's the fear of the unknown. Being a care leaver yeah. and being in care, you don't know your next steps. And I feel like this mm. book will help to address what's coming next and to prepare people. Because I feel like mm. some people's experiences will be so much better if they were to know what is about to happen and what the realities are of going to uni or doing an apprenticeship or yeah. setting up their own business. I think yeah. that is definitely the biggest issue is the fear that people don't know what is going to happen. So I think in mm. the book, I want different people to talk about their journeys so people can understand and have some form of idea of what they're about to go through because then it mm. might influence and bring up the statistics of people who want to go to uni because there was one girl mm. who reached out to me and was like oh yeah Kim I really want to go to uni but I don't know how I get there I don't know what steps I don't know what my life will be mm. like and that's the sort mm. of things that I want to address I want to say look well this is what happened to me and this is what happened to mm. other people this is the route they took if you want to take that route go for it or if maybe someone else has had a bit more positive experience and they done something a bit different to me then yeah go with mm. that so essentially I want them to be more prepared because I feel like if mm. you're more prepared, then you're more likely to make better and well-informed decisions. Because it's probably some yes. decisions that I wouldn't have made had I had been more well-informed about it and the consequences mm. and the repercussions. So, yeah. yeah. And essentially, I want these young people to know their rights. So, mm. yeah. And they've got a couple other twists, turns and surprises. So make sure you buy the book so you can find out more. No, I definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's essentially what it is. I, I, I want to use that as a platform to inspire these young people who are currently in care and who are care leavers to just aim for the aim for the sky the sky is the limit just just whatever your passion is and i don't want to oppose and tell you people to go to uni because like i said uni mm. is not the only way if it's you want to do an apprenticeship only. go and do an apprenticeship yeah. you want to start up your own business start that business follow your passion mm. like if you want to be a youtuber go and be the best youtuber out there like i really mm. want to encourage people to just follow your passion and it will lead you to somewhere don't stop believing mm. in yourself and mm. yeah that's the aim of the book no, I feel like, I feel like I I need to read that book myself. Because <laughs> it's true, because like a lot of things, it's like we hold ourselves doing, and this is anyone, like we can hold ourselves doing anything because 
we just lack the information and certain things are really achievable. Like if it's mm. someone wanting to start a YouTube or go to university, like these are, these are things that are very much possible. Mm. Um, but if someone lacks the information as to how to do it, or they only see those who may, they may think that they're better than them or in the limelight pursuing mm. those things and it can put you off doing certain things. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah. No, so I, I think, I think already the content of that book sounds amazing. Thank um, you. And I'm excited for it to come out. Thank you. The one thing I also want to add about the book as well, which is really key, um, the main thing is we're addressing how broken the system is. Like one thing yeah. you'll always hear me say is the system is broken or... And what I mean by that is like your local government, your local authority, or maybe even the government, like we're not doing enough mm. for our young people. So yeah. um, even things like, like more realities will be addressed. So such stuff like being homeless and having to move around. So mm. I definitely want to campaign and just... I want to be an advocate. I want to be able to bring reforms. So the mm. book does address some of the issues that care leavers face and how solutions of how we could potentially, you know, reform them. So, mm. yeah, but it's just a book about inspiration. And honestly, I just want to be able to change yeah. people's lives just through yeah. other people's experiences and my experience. No, that is, that is amazing, man. Thank you. And so where do you personally want to see the future of the care system? Wow, that's a big question. Um, I want to see it leading to better statistics of young people going on to do greater things and becoming successful. Um, mm. I want to see a decrease in the level of homelessness and mental health issues that young people mm. are facing. I want to mm. see greater support given to these young people. I want them to be offered therapy, family mm. mediation and opportunities. Mm. Like this system mm. should be providing our young people with the most amount of opportunities possible like i mm. want them to really push our young people from not the age of 17 but from the age of four five three when they enter the system mm. and encourage them mm. to do what they believe in and mm. yeah i just want to see the system working for these young people rather than people falling through the system and just ending up anyhow like that shouldn't be what the system is for the system should be mm. there to look at these vulnerable people and say look you've come from a bad um background but you're not gonna mm. that's not gonna define you you can achieve yeah. so much. So I just want the system yeah. to inspire and mm. essentially just give them opp more opportunities than it's currently given them. So mm. that's that's my aim, really. And that's what I would love to see personally. Nah, uh, just hearing <laughs> you speak here, I just feel so... I'm just pumped right now. Like I'm just like, <laughs> what? Reform? Like, it's coming. Like. <laughs> it's coming. It is honestly coming. Because that's what I'm saying. This, it needs people like you and I who are passionate about these young people. That is what mm. the system is lacking. It's lacking passion. Mm. Like, some of these people, I understand everyone needs a job, but a job like mm. this, the pay may not be rewarding, but the lives that you are changing and stimulating and catalyzing growth for, that is important. Mm. If you mm. can say that you changed one young person's life by putting them in care and coming out and they've come out to be a better person or coming out to be the next prime minister, then you can go to bed knowing that you've created change. Yeah. So I just think that's what the system is about. It's not about people having negative misconceptions about it. It's about people helping these people and, and just motivating them to achieve their best. No, one hundred. Oh, I feel like <laughs> I could just end the episode there, you know. I can't even lie. Oh. <laughs> No, that is, no, that is amazing, man. But what's what's next for you? Wow, for Kim, what is next? Like, how for optimistic me? do you feel about your future? I'm feeling very optimistic about my future right now. My future is looking quite bright, if I must say. Um, mm. At the moment, I'm about to start a grad scheme in the civil service in October. 
Okay. Um, Congrats. Thank you so much. Because obviously we're right now, yeah. right now we're in a pandemic. So to say that I, I know, have a graduate yeah. job in government mm-hmm. is amazing. So I'm really excited about it because if you look at what the government do anyway, it's about improving the lives of people in the public. So mm-hmm. they do different schemes and initiatives from like building crosswells or like I don't know whatever public initiative is out there so it's about essentially Mm. implementing policy which I'm so excited about because I just feel like the work that I'll be doing on a day-to-day basis is really impacting and changing someone's life and hopefully Mm. improving the quality so Mm. yeah I'm excited I'm really excited about that no that's amazing Kim thank you so much for coming on honestly it's a pleasure thank you for inviting me I hope everyone is subscribed and listening to the podcast this this platform is about to be the next podcast of the century like I can see you doing great things I received that I received that (laughs) tap into that grace man podcast of the century I see you guys doing big things man thank you honestly for having me on no thank you man I'm honestly I'm so empowered and I think as well because I just share the same passion as well so Mm. yeah like as I just continue to study and finish off this degree like um yeah these are all things I'm just continuing to bear in mind I feel like I'll even listen back to this for my own educational purposes and see like what areas I can also um like I guess with the skill set that I have how I can best help out as well I'll definitely say I recommend you to get involved in with young people that are in care. So there's loads of care councils. So I'm not sure what mm. area you're from, but I can get you involved in my local constituency one. I definitely say mm. volunteer, get involved, come and talk to these care leavers yourself. If you know you want to be a social worker, make mm. sure your DBS check first, of course. But yeah, come course, speak yeah. to these young people, ask them about their mm. realities, ask them what they want. Like I think definitely once you become in contact with these people, you'll feel so inspired to become a social worker and involve change. So mm. I'll definitely say just get involved where you can, volunteer, follow them on socials, like speak to them. Like these are real human people. Talk to them about their mm. experiences. And honestly, yeah. I feel like me and you could do some work together and we can create some. No, I'm I'm oh. even thinking like, yeah, we 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 we're, we're definitely this isn't done. This, <laughs> this isn't is the done beginning. This is only <laughs> yeah, the beginning. This is the beginning man. <laughs>